Well, it is great to be back. You guys really are blessed. I was just excited to get to go to church here again today. They don't have anything like this near me. You guys really have an incredible opportunity just to have a place like Harborside and an amazing pastor. As we prepare for these events, he really just cares about you. He wants you to break through. He wants you to transform. He wants you to be well and fulfill your purpose. That's what he's about. And so, uh, so you guys really have something going on here. Let's give a pastor one more round of applause if you can. How many of you would like to have a breakthrough this year? You see, 2014 is a breakthrough year. Raise your hand if you want to see breakthrough this year. I'm, I really believe it is. I think last year was kind of a transition year, and this is a year of exponential increase. I really believe that about 2014. You know, I don't know what sort of life you were born to live, but I do know you're reborn to do something amazing. I know there's a maximized life. There's this epic race that you're designed to run. And that's what this rebirth in Christ is all about. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, I do come from this health and fitness home. Uh, I'm always trying to set some sort of personal record that Marathon Pastor was talking about. I ran it an hour and a half faster than I did 18 years ago when I was 29. I'm 47 today. So thank you. We'll be, we'll be teaching you the secrets of that later in the, in the one to three uh, winning my race event. How many of you guys are coming one to three to, for, the, for that event? Hopefully we'll talk more of you into it, but it looks like it's most of you. Uh, so that's always my thing. What's the next record I could set personally? My wife is always trying to get back to her original weight. I just don't think she'll be happy till she's seven pounds, four ounces. Uh, that's <laughs> her goal. Um, but, but it wasn't always like that. In my house, um, when I was little, we had an unhealthy household. We were, everybody was struggling with their health and with their weight. So my parents, they grew up in New York City, where all junk food was invented. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a runner, but they were from the Bronx. If you're running around where they lived, it's because somebody was chasing you. It wasn't uh, for fitness purposes. It was so overwhelming for them to even think about being able to get healthy and in shape that I remember when I was eight years old, I'm in my house in Cleveland, Ohio, I'm on the stairs, my mom says to me, you know, when you're 30, you'll be fat too. I'm like, you know, Billy's mommy said he's going to be an astronaut. Uh, (laughs) When I was in Cleveland at that same time, there was a big church on the corner, a big Catholic church, and I had some friends that were Catholic, and I went to church with them one day. And when you walked in, there was an enormous statue of Jesus, and he had his shirt off, and he, had, he didn't have a six-pack. He had a 14-pack, literally. His abs went from here to here. And for many people, that's sort of the height of, of health or wellness is just, you know, how ripped you look or what kind of shape you're in or even just how symptom-free you are. But it was much bigger than that to Jesus. In John 5... Uh, He's at the Sheepgate pool, and there's that man who's been laying there for decades. And he says to the man, do you want to get well? And the term he uses there isn't, you know, hey, do you want to start walking again, or do you want your symptoms gone? He actually says, genestai hugies. Genesis is where genestai comes from, so it's a new beginning. And hugies is not just health, it's soundness or wholeness. So he's literally saying, do you want to be regenerated whole? Do you want a new beginning where all things will be new in me? So he was not just about simply being fit. He was about restoring you into everything you were intended to be. He didn't just heal you. He restored you. And that's what we're going to be talking about 
today. Third John 1-2, God says, Beloved, above all else, I pray that you prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Above all else. And first of all, he says, beloved. And I want you to really embrace this for a moment, this term beloved. So he's saying to you, um, I love you. Now, God loves you in an amazing way. In Zephaniah three seventeen, it says, he rejoices over you with singing. So when I get home today, I'll have been gone for a day, and I'll get home to my wife and kids, and they'll be really excited to see me, but no one's going to start singing. No one's going, Daddy's home. Ah! They should, but they won't. That's how much God loves you. That's an enormous advantage. And if he loves you that much, of course, he wants you to be well. He wants you to prosper. I call this the triple threat. Health, prosperity, and soul, meaning mind, will, and emotions. So it's health, prosperity, and peace. That's this triple threat that God gives to those he loves. This is an image of this joyful, loving father excited about you, and he wants to see you succeeding in his kingdom. He wants you wholly well, and he wants you to be at peace. Isn't that good news? However, obviously, um, while that is working for many people in the kingdom, they're appreciating the triple threat, other people aren't experiencing it so much, and there's really some very specific reasons for that that I want to cover this morning. Romans 12, 2 He says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve of God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what happens is this. So we come to Jesus, but if we're thinking and living the exact same way as everybody else, then what results are we going to get? The same as everybody else's. And that's the piece we miss, that you can be saved but not transformed. That you're saved, but you haven't renewed your thinking or changed the way you're living, so everything is still the same. This is is kind of the mistake that we make. Because if we're going to have a breakthrough, we have to have a break from. That term transformed is the term, it's actually metamorpho, which comes from metamorphosis, like a caterpillar metamorphosizing into a butterfly. That the idea is we'd be metamorphosized in Christ. We take on a new form. When I first started wanting to eat well, I was 18 years old, I was in high school, and I was about to go into college, and I was going to be a wrestler in college, and I wanted to be an elite athlete, knew that meant it couldn't be fruity pebbles and pizza and ice cream every day anymore. But I'd still go out with my friends, and I'd get sucked in. I'd want to fit in with them, the pizza looked awfully good, so I'd, I'd, I'd eat the same way. But I'd always feel really bad, I was, I was blowing my commitment, I wasn't getting the body and the health I wanted to be able to perform at the next level. So I felt bad about myself till finally it felt too bad and I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. And I remember the very first time I went out, in fact, we were out for pizza with a bunch of guys and girls. And, and you know, it's tough. And when you're 18, it's all about fitting in and popularity. And, and I remember saying, I'm not going to eat. And I'm going to eat this, you know, healthier thing. And they're making fun of me and everything else. But a couple days later, one of the girls, actually the prettiest girl there, came up to me and said, hey, you know, what are you doing with your, with your diet? I'm really interested in that. I'd like to eat that way. And that's when I decided to become a nutritionist, just so you know. Um, and eventually they all respected what good eating was doing for my body and my health. And it was the same thing with Christianity. At first, I became a Christian, but still went out with the same people, still did the same things, went out to the same bars with my brothers and my friends, and it was disappointed in my behavior. 
Finally, I decided to change that, and while some of them no longer liked me, I started to like me. And I was being hopefully approved by God's will, and that's the only approval I really needed. And eventually, many of those same friends and both my brothers became Christians too. So we've got to renew the thinking and change the way we're living. And here's how this thing works. God formed you, it says in the Bible, in your mother's room. So there's this form he created for a purpose. But if we conform to the ways of the world, then we become deformed. We're no longer formed in the image or the intention that God had for us. So here's how this thing works, and I want you to say it with me. Form, then conform, deform, then renew, transform, reform. We become reformed back into what God intended for our lives. That's this process we're supposed to go through after we've met Jesus. Is, is that making sense? So there's, there really is this epic race we've been called to run. And this word epic is really interesting. It means a story about a hero, and, and that's you. You're, you're the hero. It's an exciting adventure. You know, life has its challenges, its perils, its issues, but every great story has those things. So let's call those adventures and not just pains and frustrations. It's something beyond the ordinary. Jesus comes into your life, and it should be beyond ordinary. And then finally, of course, yes, there's difficulties. There's challenges. That's part of this game. When I was at the 2012 Olympics, I got a chance to tour the Westminster Abbey. How many of you guys have been to the Westminster Abbey? A bunch of you. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a cool place. There's 3,000 or more than 3,000 dignitaries buried there. There's kings and queens. There's actors like Sir Lawrence Olivier. There's poets and authors like Chaucer and Shakespeare. And when you tour the abbey and you visit these immense tombs, you hold on to this recorder and you hear about these stories. You hear about the epic races they ran. In fact, uh, on Shakespeare's tomb, there's something kind of ironic because it's a quote from The Tempest. It says... Cloud-capped towers, gorgeous temples, solemn palaces, the great globe itself, yea, all it shall inherit, will dissolve. And like this insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a wreck behind. And it's ironic because he did leave a lot behind. Here it is over 400 years since he died. I don't know if you knew that. I was kind of shocked to find out Shakespeare died over 400 years ago. Yet here we are still hearing his story reading his stories, learning about his race. In fact, everyone there, most of them have been dead for centuries, but we're still hearing about their lives. We're still listening about their stories. And it occurred to me that your story, your life, this epic race you're running is the most important thing. You know, I didn't used to uh, do this. I didn't used to write all these books and travel around the world speaking and do all the kinds of things we do with Maximized Living. But I went through an experience that changed all that. I had my own practice in Kissimmee, Florida. It was, it was thriving, doing really well. I was only in my mid-20s, very happy. And my goal had always been that one day I could take my family on a cruise. My parents always wanted to take the family on a cruise but couldn't afford it. So I finally made enough money. I was going to take my two little brothers, mom and dad, on a cruise. It was all set. I'm actually packing to leave on a Friday night to go up and meet with my parents. And I get a phone call. And it's my mom, and she says, uh, hey, you know, we're having uh, dinner with the captain one night, so don't forget to pack something nice. So I'm 26 years old. My mom's still telling me how to dress. So, uh, so hang up. 15 minutes later, the phone rings again, and it's my younger brother who's still living home, 17 years old. He says, 
uh, hey, dad just went down on the lawn. I tried to revive him. Uh, The ambulance just came and took him away. About three minutes later, the phone rings again. Dad's dead. And as a result of that, after I obviously came out of some of the pain of that, realized I couldn't just keep my message to Kissimmee anymore. I had to be willing to write it down, to travel the world, do whatever was necessary so that other people can live a better race. This wasn't obviously the race my dad intended. You know, his lifestyle, as I mentioned, was poor. And so it's accurate to say that he lifestyled himself to death. Within a year of his death, my mom had a stress-induced stroke and has been permanently disabled ever since. Again, from her lifestyle. So the reality is that his death, her stroke, our suffering, you know, in fact, I still suffer. You know, all of this was unnecessary. And so I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to live the race that God called you to live. I want you to win it. If God called you to win your race, then God forbid you don't win your race. And when I mean race, too, I mean whatever it is that you're here doing. Whatever God put you here for. So some of the, you in the room, you're, you're teenagers or you're in middle school, elementary school. And whatever God's called you to do, whether it's band or whether it's science or whether it's sports or whether it's just that you're just trying to get along in school. If you're a mom and it's your job to just put turkey on a sandwich and get the kids off to school and, and keep a healthy household, then, then you're a race. And if you're a dad and maybe you're a nine-to-five worker or maybe you're a CEO or maybe you're in ministry, whatever that race is, we want it to be epic. We want it to be heroic. We want it to make a difference. We want you to win it. And when we talk about winning, it's not, when I was in that marathon, I wasn't about to win the marathon. It was just doing my personal best. We talk about a, a, a PR in athletics where you, do, you set your personal record. That's what this thing is all about, and that's what I want for you. Jesus' mission statement was literally John 10.10. 10. And his mission statement was that he came here to give you this epic life. It says that he came to give you life and give it more abundantly. And this term, life abundantly, it's zoe parisos, what we call maximized living. This term zoe, it's an amazing term. Um, It says that um, you should be possessed of vitality. So whatever your life was before, now it's more vital. It says that it would be a life that belongs to God, real and genuine, that it would be a blessed life, not just life like breathing. Then parisos This is one of my favorites. So this is exceeding just survival, exceeding needs. So when Jesus comes, it's not so that you just make it or keep getting by, but it'd be much more than that, something further, something more than you're you're experiencing right now. This next one, and and this is actually, let me give you like a little free thing here. This this isn't part of the sermon. This is free. Um, It says, superior exceeding rank. There's a new study out there. They wanted to determine who the wealthiest people in the U.S. were. And there's been a major change in who that is over the last several years. And it's actually the people that are the most successful have a superiority-inferiority complex. That sounds kind of weird, like there's some dichotomy there. It's superiority-inferiority complex. So here's what that means. So with Jesus in your life, walking with you, living in you, working through you, you're actually superior to the next guy that isn't walking with Jesus. You actually exceed their rank. You outrank them. So that's the superiority part. You know that, hey, wherever I go, Jesus shows up with me. That's the superiority side. 
The inferiority side is that you know that you're not so great and neither am I, that it's Jesus in our life that's so great, that it's his greatness that makes the difference. And as these come together, it's a very powerful, powerful tool in your arsenal for a successful life. And the last piece is that this is uncommon. It's extremely uncommon. And that gets back into not conforming. That to have Zoe Parisos, it starts with being uncommon, with not, not conforming. You know, it's the Olympic time. It's the Winter Olympics. Uh, Herb Brooks, a uh, great quote from him. He, w- he was the 1980 coach of the Miracle on Ice gold medal winning hockey team. And he said, you can't be common because the common man gets nowhere. Something Jesus knew. You've got to be uncommon. And when it comes to renewing our mind, something Paul says um, that we have the mind of Christ or put on the mind of Christ, there's a a quote by George Bernard Shaw. He says that the man who is reasonable adapts himself to the world, but the unreasonable man persists in trying to get the world to adapt to him. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. And so Jesus didn't come here to adapt himself to the world, and he's not working in you right now for you to conform and adapt yourself to the world. The idea is that he came here and works through you to adapt the world to him. Is that making sense? That, that's the change in thinking, the renewed mind we're talking about if we're going to have the kind of transformation God so badly wants for you. Because it really is a choice. And God gives, you know, God gives great multiple choice tests because he gives you the the first, the choices, and he also gives you the answer. And he says, Today I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I've placed before you life or death. And he says, Here's a hint. Choose life so you and your family may live. So there really is a choice as to the way we should live if we're going to have the kind of life, the kind of Zoe Parisos, the maximized living, the life you were reborn to live, if we're going to have that, there's a choice that we have within our power to make. You know, if, we're, if we are standing um, in a room of, of people pr- being prayed for, if you've ever been in that scenario, I've, I've been in a lot of churches and there's prayer lines. And in one case, you can come up and pray for anything you want. And I was standing there with the pastor and the person said to the pastor, can you please pray for me to have financial security? And the pastor said, well, first I have to ask you two questions. And I was surprised. I was just waiting for, you know, hands to get laid on this person and for to pray for all kinds of success and financial prosperity. And that's not what the pastor did. He said, I got two questions. First of all, do you tithe 10%? And the person uh, head down, uh, well, you know, no. Secondly, uh, do you use credit cards? Uh, Yes, they're all maxed out. Pastor said, well, then I can't pray for financial security for you because I can't send 72,000 angels out on a ridiculous task. So go out and figure that out first. I'll pray that you have the strength to do that. I was in another church, and there's long prayer lines, and afterwards I was sitting down with the pastor, and this was all prayer lines for healing. I said, hey, when you're praying for somebody's healing, are you ever concerned that, you know, because of their lifestyle, they just keep causing the problem? He goes, he goes as a matter of fact, that happened just this morning. There's a woman who... We prayed for her for her heart disease, and she had a miracle, and it went completely away. But then she continued to live exactly the same way. So what do you think happened to the heart disease? It came back, and she's back on the prayer line. So this time, while I, I verbally still prayed for her heart disease to go away, I quietly prayed for one less brownie. And so we know that there's steps we have to take. Because there really are these sort of choices or, or guidelines or laws that God set up. So there are spiritual laws and guidelines. So, for example, we know that 
in the, in the church world, if you give, you get or receive. Exactly. Give and receive. Of course, outside the church, it's like, no, I need to get if I'm going to give. It's the opposite, but we know that's not how it works. We also know in the church world that if you forgive, you are forgiven. It's a law. It just works that way. We know that he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's just how it works. It's just God's laws. We also know that God has set up certain chemical laws. If I take sodium and chloride and put them together, anybody know what I get? I get salt. Oh, a bunch of science majors in here. This is a brilliant room. If I get two H's and put an O with that, what do I get? Water. If I put two H's and two O's with that, anybody know what that is? Peroxide, yes, it's, it, which is not nearly as refreshing. Um, <laughs> these are laws. These are chemical laws, and there are physical laws. So I coach my son's seven-year-old basketball team, and it's five to seven-year-olds. And so we had a meet yesterday, and we were going against a really good team. We had a game, and so I started praying for them to be able to dunk. And how many of you know my prayer was not answered? I was breaking certain physical laws that if I jump off this stage right now and I pray, God, I want to go up, chances are, I mean, you can do anything, but chances are this, there's a physical law here that I'm going to go down. Um, I even mentioned last time that we could all go higher. We can go stand on top of a 10-story building, jump and say, God, catch me. More than likely, you're going to run into the laws of physics. You're going to find out what happens with terminal velocity at 122 miles an hour and what happens when human matter hits an immovable force called the ground. You're going to find out the ground don't mind and you don't matter. In fact, you'll get to go ask God, why didn't you catch me? And he'll say, I gave you a brain and an eighth grade physics teacher, dummy, so you would know not to jump. So realize it's the same thing with our lifestyle, that if we're putting the wrong things in our body, if we're not getting any exercise, if we're stressed out of our mind and toxic, if our spines are degenerating, then we're breaking physical laws that God himself set up. And it's really no different than jumping off a building. We can expect the same disastrous results. So we've got to make the right choices here, whether it's for our finances, our family, for the work that we do, or our physical bodies. We have to make that right choice to choose life so we and our families can live. Is that, is that making sense? It's how God set it up. If we, if we do that... Again, we can have that reforming that we were talking about. I want to touch for a moment on God's wellness plan. Uh, For those of you that are coming this afternoon, we're going to get into tighter details on this whole thing. Uh, But I want to give you some high-level things here for a second. So God's wellness plan, first of all, should make sense. Has anybody ever heard of Sir Richard Augustus Cheeseborough? He's the inventor of Vaseline. So he lived to 96 years old, and somewhere in his 90s, somebody actually asked him, what is your secret? How have you lived such a long life at a time when, you know, life expectancy was much, much less? And he said, I do one teaspoon of Vaseline a day that I eat. (laughs) So that is not on our plan, by the way. We don't have that in any of our books. That doesn't make sense. I think he was just trying to sell product. But, um... (laughs) Anyway, you can use it. There's a guy named John who was a patient of mine about 15 years ago, and he was in his hundreds. He was 102. And he was famous because you could, at any given day, see him on his roof of his home cleaning out the gutter. Every day you'd see him driving his bike around the community at 102. So they actually ended up doing a newspaper article on him, and they asked him, what is 
been the secret? What's been the key to living so long and still doing so well? And he simply said, I'm conscious about what I put in my body. I'm conscious of what I'm eating. I'm conscious that I'm getting good movement. I'm conscious of my physical life. And that's what we want to be as Christian people, if we're going to be, again, using a renewed mind and seeing transformation here. We want to be people of conscience. We want to be conscious of what we're doing. Another guy, Jack LaLanne, a lot of you may not even know who Jack LaLanne is anymore. Um, I'm dating myself here. But here's a guy who, in his 90s, was still pulling tugboats with his teeth. He was this physical freak late and late and late in life. And they asked him, what's been your secret? He said, listen, he goes, if God didn't make it, I won't eat it. That's another great way to think. In fact, you know, the way, that's really a lot of the way the nutrition plans we, we give start is just, for example, like with milk. If it's commercial milk where they've used hormones to produce the milk, then even though it says FDA approved, I'm not eating that. That's not on God's plan. Hormones in my milk, you can tell me it's not going to hurt me. Not God's plan. I'm, I'm conscious of those things. I was looking at a, a uh, bag of blueberry bagels, and I read the ingredients, and there was no blueberries in the blueberry bagels. It just said red and purple colored and flavored chips. And that was what was in these bagels. So again, not on God's plan. Even if you thought bagels were healthy, not the ones with the, with the blueberry-flavored chips. When my dad uh, came to me at the, when I was 12 years old and, and I was asking him how his latest diet was going, he said, you know, if I have to eat this way, I don't want to live. It just seemed that tough to him. And I can tell you that the things that we teach you, um, they're not that tough. And, then, and if it's God's plan for you, it's not that tough either. So for example, for me, I love desserts. And so I can't be on a nutrition plan where you can't eat desserts. So actually, our, my, I have a new book that just came out. I think they have like, like a bunch of them in the back. They are called Maximize Metabolics. Just came out about two weeks ago. And we call it a diet based on desserts. Because I figured out how to make desserts with stevia, which is in, instead of sugar, and with coconut flour and almond flour instead of regular flour. So it's a no-grain, no-sugar dessert. So I can eat desserts all the time and still be thin and healthy. And so I knew that if God wanted me to eat well, he would help me find desserts I liked. With exercise, if you just think it's painful and grueling, I had a woman come up to me in between services and say, since I was here last time, she's lost 25 pounds. And the reason is she never could diet before, but now, um, or, or exercise before, but now based on the diet based on desserts and based on the fact that our exercise can be done in just 12 minutes at a time, she can do it. And the pain that used to stop her from doing it has gone away. So there's always a, a, a way to do this. There's always a, a, a methodology that's God's design. You just have to find it. For many of you, when you hear a breakthrough year, when you hear get well, when you hear something about prosperity or anything like that, what immediately creeps in your head is why you can't do it. And what you're looking at is the past. If there's anything great about Jesus, it's that today has nothing to do with yesterday. Tomorrow has nothing to do with even today, that he's always about the future and what, and what he has in store for you. And so we have to start from that place. I'm, I'm not unfamiliar with all the suffering that maybe you have right now, whether it's physical pain, whether it's a difficult circumstance, whether the finances are bad or the, or the work is bad. I, I understand all those challenges. Maybe you just hate anything related to a vegetable. I, I've had people come in for nutritional counseling saying, I despise vegetables. I, I, I get all those difficulties. But we have to realize that 
there is a plan here, and you have a powerful God working in you and through you to help you overcome any of those things. You know, God is progress. God is increase. Or as the Bible says, glory to glory, strength to strength. So the key is that you just have to get moving in the right direction. If you refuse to stand still and you move in the right direction towards God, then you'll be getting better and better, moving closer and closer to the divine purpose he has for your life. In fact, James says this in 4.8. He says, if you'll, if you'll move near to God, he'll move near to you. You'll take little people steps, but he'll take big God steps. But if you don't move, he won't move. For some of you, you might be thinking, well, I'm okay already. This is usually a guy that says this, that, that, I'm, that, I'm, that I'm fine. But the reality is that's probably not the case. There's probably a need for an upgrade here. And, and here's why. One is because while God loves you just the way you are, they also say he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Plus, so many people are counting on you. Um, they're counting on you to make a difference in their lives. They're counting on you to help advance God's purposes. Um, you're too important to stay still. If you, if, in fact, if you're sitting next to somebody who thinks they're fine, give them a hard elbow and say, you need an upgrade. Let's get a couple of hard elbows out there. <laughs> wherever you are in this process, or however difficult you think that it is, wherever you are in your life's process here, 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So wherever you are right now, God is great in you already. Here's what can happen. You can miss your destiny because you dismissed your potential. There's great potential, and potentials are you're headed, but God is great right now. So everything that you might be dealing with, every pain, every difficulty, every economic challenge, every family challenge, anything that has to do with addiction or procrastination or laziness, every knee and every problem has to bow down to him. All of it is over, can be overcome by what's working in you right now. You have this enormous advantage, this epic opportunity being in Christ. You know, we have this great race that each of us has been called to run, this, this epic race. And again, if you've been called to win this thing, then God forbid you don't win it, whatever that race may be. So you have everything in you, in a life in Christ, everything in this church, and all the things that we can provide for you to not only run the race, not just finish the race, but to win your race. Bless you guys. Thank you very much. We'll see some of you this afternoon.